Hey, this is In My Humble Opinion with Chaz Douglas. I got a very special guest. I have Pastor Marvin T. Smith. Thank you for coming on, Pastor. It's my pleasure, Chaz. Great to be with you. Yes. Uh, before we start, Pastor, I want to I want to start off with this. Um, I, I remember going to the service that weekend with that you had the gala and that Sunday. And it was a very, you know, it was very emotional, very high spirited service. And one of the things that stood out was the you had different members, my mom and a couple other members that were talking about how you and 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 sister Omi, how they how you know you how you impacted their lives and also how you know what they learned from you so i did want to start off saying something briefly about that how you impacted me and what i learned at mount olive and then we go into the into the uh into the show so we i remember joining in 20 uh, July I think June or July uh, 2003 I was 16 and and pastor to be honest I I didn't want to come to Mount Olive um it was it was big I didn't really know anybody I was born and raised at the church at, at, at Candlelight and it was just a a very challenging time because you know it, you know not knowing anybody being big and uh changes is 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 difficult for me and so, um, you know, probably maybe a year in, I, I, I say, and I, and we talk to my parents now and I, and I say, I, I'm really glad that we joined. Like I, you know, I, I remember, you know, we, 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 um, built some great relationships with, you know, like sister Floyd, I enjoy her, her Sunday school class and, and individuals, um, like Marcel and, and Brandon court, like they, really made the transition smooth, just, you know, just welcoming me there. And, and, you know, also the, the, like my mom said, like being younger and then you introducing to us the different translations and versions like that made the Bible easier to understand. And and also, you know, when we were able to, during the, the youth Sundays, we were able to like lead. And I remember praying and, a couple times and it, it really gives gave me a lot of respect for the you know the 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 ministers and pastors and and, and the speakers that that speak up there because it's totally different on the other side of the pulpit on the other side of the mic I remember the first time I did it and I I kind of froze up a little bit pastor it was and it wasn't it wasn't because I forgot it was because I remember an individual praying so loud that it just met, broke my concentration. And so it, it, it gives me, it gave me more patience and grace to when somebody is new going up there that you, like I, I can relate being up there. And so pastor, I really appreciate, you know, being under your leadership during the, the times that I was there. And, and also I got, I got a shout out, you know, also give, you know, credit to my with the scholarship money being able to get that during those um, four or five years that I was in, in, in college. So I do want to say how I appreciate you and, and also uh, congratulations on uh, 25 years of pastoring at Mount Olive. Thank you, Chaz. I really appreciate those words of, of uh, 
expressions and how uh, you have personally um, grown over the years and you are able to articulate that journey. And I'm just glad and humbled to have shared uh, that part of your life with you as God takes us on journeys and we meet people along the way. And so, again, it's my privilege to have been on this journey with you and to see the man you have become, uh, the, the servant of God you have become, uh, and, and you're doing an amazing job just becoming uh, all that God uh, wants you to be. So thank you again, and I'm excited about the path you are on and what we're going to be able to read and say about Chaz in a few years. I appreciate that, Pastor. And that, it almost goes into the, you know, into the show. Pastoring for 25 years at Mount Olive, what would you say? Uh, I know you, you, you've probably grown a lot and, and have a lot of highlights. What would you say are some, some highlights as far as how you, how you have grown as, as a man and spiritually being the pastor at Mount Olive for 25 years? Well, that, that's a great question. And I would say that in no particular order, but uh, cumulatively speaking, I think the ways that I have grown is first in humility. Um, I'm just amazed at how God would choose someone like me and a church like Mount Olive, bring us together and use us with all of our different personalities and challenges and pasts. And yet he would bring us together and keep us together and give us the type of love for each other as though we've known each other all of our lives. And that has, that has uh, humbled me to no end. Uh, in, in terms of how God can do that. And so humility is definitely an area where I have grown. Okay. Another another area I would say um, is uh, patience. I remember the Mount Olive I met. I remember the Mount Olive uh, that I was introduced to and the Mount Olive uh, that we know today uh, is totally opposite in terms of its mindset, its its insight, its impact, and its influence, and not only the city, uh, nor the state, but across the country. And so patience in that I've watched God do this. And as a people and a pastor, we had to be patient with each other. We did not know each other. Mm. And you, you won't trust people that you don't know and so we had to get to know each other okay and so we have been through uh trials and tribulations and victories and triumphs together and so another area would be patient in the last area i would think it has to be leadership my first came to mount olive i was 34 35 there were uh, men and women there who were my elders in every uh every understanding of the word elder, older to be my grandparents, okay. parents. And, and, um, and yet uh, I had the charge to, to lead them. Mm -hmm. And uh, to some degree that was intimidating. It was somewhat uh, fearful. Uh, and yet uh, through a series of events and circumstances and God changing their hearts and, and giving me their power, many of them had power 
Mm-hmm. And they they gave that over to me. And uh, of course, God gives the leader some influence and some power, but the people who have that power, they yield that to that leader. And so I've grown in my leadership in terms of leading people who were my elders, leading uh, children, leading uh, young adults, uh, such that uh, no one is left behind, nor do you nor do you leave them. But you got to be just a few steps ahead of them. But you can't be too far because there's a difference between leading the people and leaving the people. And so you have to learn that tension. What's that sweet spot uh, so that uh, you, you, you won't be too far ahead of them, but you also cannot get lost among them. So those three areas, humility, patience and leadership. That, that That's that's interesting that you you said that, Pastor, because I was thinking when you have an individual like yourself, you know, um, educated, experienced, is that the Holy Spirit that's leading you to say, okay, I, I can't go this far because the people aren't ready yet? Like, how do you determine when you're leaving, you know, when you're you're pushing them too far, you think? Yeah, well, again, you asked some great questions. I would say it's, it's it's uh it's not either or it's both and the Holy Spirit and common sense. Okay. Uh, God gives you instructions through His Word, but you have to also pay attention to situations. You have to pay attention to the culture of the church, the climate of the church, where the people are, what they are used to, what are their customs, what are their traditions, and you have to respect those customs and traditions and. Before you can take the people anywhere, you have to do what Ezekiel had to do. He had to sit among the people. Okay. And and you sit among the people again through circumstances like marriages, mm-hmm. uh, like uh, funerals, uh, counseling sessions, going to court with them, you know, basketball games with the students, and the whole. Uh, a spectrum of the life of the congregation, the life of the church. And so, again, it's not either or, it's both and. Yes, okay. the Holy Spirit, but again, common sense. Okay. So, build, so building relationships and then just being, you would you say observation as well? Because it, it sounds like what you're, yes. you know, is, yes. is that different because you kind of got to research, like, research the church or kind of like study the church is what like the church that you're you're pastor and leading yes oh yes you have to pay close attention to uh what are the, what are the church's values what's important to the church what has been the church's priorities what's the culture of that church what's the climate of that church uh, what's the personality of that church who are the movers and the shakers uh, and you you get to know all of that through shared experiences, and eventually, uh, you you become the leader. You're not the leader on day one. You become the leader. You're the you're the leader only as it relates to position, but you're not the leader yet as it relates to your role. That okay. that comes with time. Okay, Pastor, about how many years did did you, what year do you feel like? You were you were able to lead based what you're saying as far as uh, you you had the the years of experience as far as being observing and 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 building those relationships. When did you feel like okay, 
I think they're looking up to me as a leader now past the being a pastor that they actually yeah. believe that you're a leader. Yeah. Well, I, I think it happened in stages. Initially when I got there, because the people would sit and listen to me, that, that was uh, evidence that they, they looked, they looked at me, but then they had to look up to me and then they had to look to me. And so there were different uh, tests along the way uh, that revealed where I was as a leader and where the church was as followers. And one way you could test that out is that you could ask the church to do something. And if a large percentage of the church responded positively, that was a sign or an example that you're the leader. Okay. Now, if the opposite of that is true <laughs> also, mm -hmm. if they didn't budge, if they didn't move, or if they waited to see what somebody else was going to do, then that someone else was the leader. Okay. And you had to, in some way, establish a relationship with that person uh, to get them to buy in, uh, to see uh, their thoughts, uh, their viewpoints without uh, going against the word or uh, handing over uh, the authority and the responsibility that God has placed in your hands. So, there are stages uh, that that you you that you evolve into the leader. Again, they look at you, they look uh, to you, and they look up to you. Those are stages that that, okay. that take place over a period of time. Okay. Yeah. Is a lot of I know it's a lot of responsibility, Pastor. What What do you think you're gonna miss about pastoring? Uh, I, I think I will miss being with the people. Uh, seeing okay. them, uh, any any, uh, seeing them three or four times a week, mm -hmm. uh, listening to them, uh, they're listening to me, uh, breaking the word uh, to them, and seeing them serve in ministry and those events, uh, weddings, basketball games, uh, baby dedications, house blessings, all of those experiences that take place in the life of the church. I, I will miss those uh, experiences. And again, it's not just, it was not just always preaching mm -hmm. uh, to them, but it's sharing life with them and life's experiences. You know, you go through the good and the not so good with people. And that's how you, you establish strong relationships with people mm -hmm. uh, be, being with them, uh, you know, when the sun is shining, but then also, being with them when in the darkness of, of life. So uh, missing, missing again, all of those unique uh, experiences, families inviting you over for dinner, you're going on trips with family, mm -hmm. you know, kids uh, coloring a picture and mailing it to you. I mean, all those things that, that come with, uh, with, with uh, leading a church. That's awesome. P Pastor, what do you feel like, you're looking forward to in this next season, as far as in retirement, you know, you, I know you have, you know, you're going to have a lot more time on your hands. What are you looking forward to doing? Are you, are you going to do some consulting? Are you going to write more books? What is, what is that? What's that next season yeah. looking like? Well, Pastor? I, I, I tell you, Chaz, I want you to stay tuned, but I'll, I'll say, <laughs> okay. this in, in ter I'll, uh, but I'll say this in terms of what's next for me. Uh, I want to do a little, of what I have done a lot of for 25 years. 
Okay. And then and then I want to do a lot of what I only did a little of in 25 years. Okay. Uh so you 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 can answer that question for yourself in terms <laughs> of of what that looks like and and what I was always doing and what you didn't see me do it so but I'm just excited about uh, what God has in store. You know, I, I, one of my favorite passages of scripture, and it, it teaches us about the eternal uh, purposes of God, that God does not take back what he has planned to do for your life. Mm-hmm. Philippians 1 and 6, I'm sure of this one thing that God is going to finish the work he has began in me to the day of Jesus Christ. So I'm so I, I don't have any details uh, and I've never had details mm-hmm. about my calling and and life uh because if i had details i wouldn't have to trust god oh yeah uh, but but i know my gifts i know my abilities i know my passions and i'm trusting that god when it is time that he will reveal uh what Omi and i will will will, will do um as it relates to um our immediate future but for right now this is home this has always been home we great relationships and friendships and uh our son and, and his wife Sal and Jen and our grandsons JT and Barry they're here mm-hmm. and again this is this is home for us and so Omi is still you know in the classroom and uh she wants to do that a little longer and I think there's some more work that I need to do uh as it relates to to Saginaw and so we're just going to see what God says yeah uh pastor what what guidance or advice would you give the new pastor of Mount Olive? That's a good question, Jazz. I would say, I would say, uh, just in a nutshell, remember these three action steps. Number one, make sure that that, that the pastor uh, prioritizes his relationship with God. A lot of times, as a pastor. We get caught up in what we do for God as opposed to what we do with God. Oh, that's good. That's good. And and we we you know we we think we're working for God instead of we're working with God, and and we we become human doers instead of human beings, and so and so we we don't nurture our own personal relationship with God. So I would I would encourage that pastor to. To continue to prioritize their relationship with God. Number two, I, I would tell that pastor that's equally important. These are not first, second, third, but these are equally yeah. important. Mm-hmm. And and that is to prioritize their the the fellowship aspect uh, of the family. Uh, I I I can sadly admit that there were times where I sacrificed my family uh, uh, in ministry. And that sacrifices come with ministry, but your family is never to be one of those sacrifices. Mm, okay. Uh, my children, uh, they were sacrificed. My marriage at times was sacrificed. And you have to live with the consequences of that. And you have to learn, develop, and mature for knowing that God does not call you to leave your family. He calls you to lead your family. Okay. And yet sometimes you can just get caught up in what you're doing for God that you forget the very people who uh, are going to be partners with you mm-hmm. in ministry. It's an example of that, Chaz, real quickly, is that when God called Noah to build that ark, 
Noah didn't build an ark and leave his family outside. Mm. Right. They they picked up a hammer. They picked up, you know, nails and whatnot, and they built it together. And so so I would I would encourage that that pastor to to prioritize the fellowship of the family. And then number three, another um, action step I would tell that pastor is to is to is to understand uh, the importance of of him understanding that he is to be a steward of the church. That that whole area of stewardship. Okay. You know, not not you're not the owner of the church. No, no, Jesus is the owner of the church. You are a you are a steward of the church. The church is not yours by ownership. You didn't die for it. Mm-hmm. You didn't you didn't purchase it with your blood. You didn't call it into being. And so and so the church is yours by way of stewardship. That is, you have a responsibility to care for the church, uh, to teach the church, to lead the church. But as a steward, you are you are in some way taking care of it as it relates to sharing the word of God as the word of God is to that church, trusting that this is how God will nurture the church groom the church, strengthen the church, and ultimately use the church. So you are a steward mm-hmm. of the church. You are not the owner of the church. So I, I would I would tell uh, the new pastor those uh, particular action steps to, to make sure that there are many others, but I would tell them these are, are three uh, that that you 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 really want to uh, take into consideration as as senior pastor. That's good, Pastor. Um, that first one, I, I wanted to follow up with something that you said as far as making sure you had your you had a relationship with God and not just working for God. I, I was I'm I'm curious to know when you're studying, when it are you are you studying like do you make sure you have your own separate time to for you and God and then a separate time for you and a message that you're going to have for, for, uh, you know, preaching or teaching on Wednesday and Sunday? Well, well, what I typically do, Chaz, is whatever passage I am preaching, that becomes my devotional passage all week. I don't jump and skip all over the Bible saying, okay, this is for me. This is for my knowledge. This is for my family. No, whatever passage God has revealed by way of his spirit, I sit and surrender to that passage all week. And, and that is my time of devotion. I, I, I have done this long enough so that I, I get a sense of, okay, how to apply it in my home, mm-hmm. how to apply it in the community, how to apply it between the walls of the church. And so, so God got the same message that the congregation receives. <laughs> I receive it also. Okay. And I get it. I get it first. Okay. They go, hey, 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 Chaz, they get the message together. I get it alone. They can look, <laughs> uh-huh. they can look around the room to see if anybody see them cringing in their seats because that message is so raw. Mm-hmm. But for me, I get that word by myself. And so it's God dealing with me. It's mm-hmm. God quickening me by way of his spirit. And so the original question, no, I I I take that same passage and I I I I get up in the morning with that passage. I walk throughout the day with that passage. I lie down with that passage. 
such that I that passage is all over me. Okay. And I, I, I understand it because I have lived with it and it has lived with me so that when it comes Sunday, I am ready to unburden myself to 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 share with the congregation what God the Spirit has shared with me all week. Okay. And some people do it differently. Some people, they have their own personal devotion where they read other scriptures and some and i'm not saying this is a rule yeah, yeah. no i'm just saying that what what has worked for me uh over the years and there are times different times of course where god will speak specifically to me concerning a matter and and then sometime in the future uh, it, it it becomes a word for somebody else okay yeah that's good and then the, the uh and this goes into, um, you know, what I wanted to ask you next is you talked about the fellowship. You know, you, you would advise that that um, pastor about making sure they, ha- you know, still have have the fellowship with their, you know, with their family. And mm-hmm. so one of the things that I I was at a Bible study last week and the the, the pastor was was talking about Shane Pruitt's um Four generation yeah. fade, and I just kind of uh-huh. wanted to get your position on that. I'm going to read these off, uh, so the listeners can know, like, what the four generation fade is about, and like what, the priority. So mm-hmm. it says, the first generation parents don't make church a high pri- priority for their kids. Kids grow up and make their kids grow up and make it less priority of a priority for their kids. Those kids grow up and make it no priority for their kids. And those kids grow up with no concept of God. What's your position on that? Because you talk about, you know, having a relationship, you know, making sure that that pastor has a relationship with their, their family and then prioritizing the church. Like what's your position on Shane Pruitt's four generation fade. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I agree with that. And and not only does that relate to uh, one spirituality, that that relates to education. That relates to finances. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that relates to relationships. That relates to overall health. Mm-hmm. And so here again. What, what we what we value, we uh, devote our time, talent, and treasure to. Yeah. And when we and and so here again, again that that relates to not only uh, when we talk about spirituality, but it again you if if education is not important in that family, mm-hmm. watch what happens. If if saving money. Uh, is not important to that family. Watch what happens. If if relationships is not important, watch what happens. If 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 health, taking care of their physical temple, is not important. So again, it. I think that that is an example uh, that speaks to uh, all of life. And so That's when good. the Bible talks about sila, s e l a h, when it talks about May it may the God of peace be with you. That mm-hmm. meant every area of your life. Mm-hmm. That's not just that's not just your relationship with God. That's your relationship with yourself. That's your relationship with your family. That's your relationship with co-workers. That's your relationship with 
all people that you'll that you'll have a well balanced life that it'll be well with you. Mm-hmm. So I, I I agree wholeheartedly with that as it relates to across the board. Okay, that's good. Being being a pastor for twenty five years and then Pastor, how long have you been preaching? How long have you been in in, in um, ministry? Yeah, I, I think I'm coming up on, well, this past August, I think, Chaz, it was 35, 34, 35 years. Okay. So yeah. can you, would you say that over those years, like you, can you see, a, where you're saying, you know, it, it needs to be, you know, well-rounded. Can you see that in the church where, you know, certain maybe, each generation may not have that priority of, you know, God, like, like, you know, the previous generation, you know, when being in the 35 years or. You, yeah. Yeah. I, I've seen it. I've, I've seen both ends of the spectrum, Chad. I've seen it where you have some family, some families have a high value of scripture and God. And so that, that, that family, I, I could, I could name families where where these generations, um, I mean, every generation, you know, knew God, for lack of a better word, like Joseph said, there rose a generation that did not know God. Mm-hmm. But I know some families where every generation they made sure that they knew God. That's I have good. just a, just some families who, who their parents pushed education, their mm-hmm. parents pushed having a trade, mm-hmm. their families pushed knowing how to handle God's money. That family pushed the importance of of uh, uh, mental health and and physical health, and because they had them working and they had them participating in extracurricular activities. So, so I've seen that take place uh, over the years that I've pastored. I've seen families where the, it, it was a priority for the family, and I've also seen just the opposite. Okay, I, I see that Chaz at funerals. I can look at a family and tell that this is the type of family that the only time they enter the church is for a funeral. Mm. They don't know the etiquette. Okay. They don't know how to conduct themselves. You can even look at their attire. Okay. And of course, you 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 come into these, these situations, and, and we kind of, for the most part, Chaz, we know what is acceptable or not. Mm. For example, example, you go to a wedding, everybody is, they, 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 they clean from the head, from mm-hmm. head to toe. Yeah. Yeah. But when they come to church, you know, they want to wear something. But again, you, you get a sense of whether or not they have been taught and instructed in terms of this is appropriate. This is inappropriate. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I, I've seen I've seen on both spectrums. OK, I want to talk a little bit about your your family, Pastor. So. Mm-hmm. I this just came up because I've I seen it online a couple of day, you know, a couple of days ago or maybe yesterday. One, I see, you know, Marcel has, you know, joined the Kappa Alpha Psi fraternity. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we talk about the, you know, what's priority, how did you feel about him? One, you know, becoming a fraternity, you know, going, joining a fraternity and then also, working and serving with you as an executive minister at Mount Olive. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, again, the fraternity, uh, that, that is uh, something as well as sorority. Only and I, uh, we never uh, forced our children to, to be a part of uh, the Greek organization. We, however, 
uh, coming along, it was something we desired. It was something we saw value. And so we went through the necessary uh, steps and process to become that. And over the years, our children would see us serving in those capacities. And through that and their own personal desires and passions, they saw something uh, in that. And so they made their own personal choice and decision to do it. And so we have never said that this is right for you just because we have done it. Oh, no, because those Greek organizations or any organization uh, for that matter, you can't want it for someone else. You have to want it for yourself. Mm-hmm. So so our children saw us uh, actively engaged and involved. And uh, Omi, uh, she's an AKA, I'm, you know, Kappa. And so they saw that. So uh, that was on them to uh, to make that choice and decision. And we would support whatever decision or choice uh, they made. Uh, if if uh, our girls, AKA, I doubt if Omi would have gave them money for any other sorority. And sale is, you know, if you don't want to play as another organization, I want to give him the money for that. It's just capital and AK. That's just a little side note there. <laughs> yeah. uh, but on the other matter, in terms of him being the executive minister, that has been a dream come true to okay. do that at that level uh, with your son or with your child. Uh, it just, I mean, it just, it, it was just, just amazing because you've seen them grow and yeah. mature. Uh, over the years, and you've seen the call uh, manifest itself, and you've seen them go at it uh, 100%. Uh, Sensei acknowledged the call. He went straight to school. Uh, he was engaged at, at, at ministry at every level, the entrance level, all the way up to being the associate assistant, uh, Pastor Bishop Joseph Walker in Nashville, then he did an internship with uh, Pastor Solomon Kinlock Jr. at the Triumph Church in mm-hmm. Detroit. Uh, then he was hired uh, by the Triumph Church when he graduated from college. Then, I mean, Lord would have it that he would come home. And then he would serve in ministry under me as executive minister. And so, uh, you know, Sale has, Sale has, he has served well. Uh, and he yeah. has been faithful in ministry. And mm-hmm. so God has opened doors for him. But it, it has just been a joy. Uh, to know that uh, someone is working with you, uh, not just because they're your kin, mm-hmm. but because they're qualified to do the job. Yeah. And and that's just a plus when they happen to be kin. Yeah. Uh, but again, it, it has been a dream come true. And it, it is one of those uh, aspects of, uh, of ministry I would cherish uh, until I see God face to face. That's awesome. P- Pastor, What's your how do you determine because I know you probably get and not just Marcel, but I know you probably get individuals that come to you and say, I'm called to preach. How do you kind of determine if it's them, you know, compared to, you know, God really did call them to preach? Yeah, I think I think every pastor develops a process where he or she tries to ascertain as to what exactly, what might be going on uh, with this individual. I, I have a process. It's, it's not perfect, uh, but it is a pro- process, so to speak, where I, I will bring the individuals in and uh, I will hear um, their appeal and I will then uh, turn them to scripture 
and I will ask them to uh, study and read several characters and then come back and take notes. And then let's talk about how are you uh, like that character? How are you different? Uh, what do you share in terms of experiences and and uh, how God has dealt with you? And after they go through a series of that, then I get a sense of, okay, is this is this a calling in terms of you've had an encounter with God and you want to serve him more? Mm-hmm. Or is this the type of experience where God is literally saying to you, this is what I want to do through you. Okay. And through, and again, it's, it's not, it's not perfect Chaz, but it is a process that has worked with me okay. and I've used it on every minister who has uh, come to me uh, wanting to uh, get guidance as to discerning whether or not God has called them to preach or if he has called them to be a part of another experience. Okay. So I take them through that process. Okay. I, I know one of the hats that you wear, one of the um, things that you do as a pastor is, you know, you, you, you do counsel, you do marriage counseling and, and premarital, premarital counseling, counseling. Mm-hmm. Pastor, yeah. what would you say like some goals or some, yeah, some goals or some, some points, some important points that you have the, the couples to go through but you know, before marrying them, like what are some, some things that you yeah. kind of stress, bef- uh, stress with them before you, you marry them? Yeah. Well, I, 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 I talk to them, uh, just, just, you know, common stuff. Um, I talk to them about, uh, their skills. I talk to them about their wheels and I talk to them about their bills. That's yeah, that's big. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so you know, I, you know the 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 wheels. You know, it's like you know, do you love this person? Well, how do you know you love this person? How would you define love over and against describing love? And I can get a sense of, you know, you know, they are they just infatuated with each other? You know, are they lusting after each other? Or mm-hmm. is this is this close to a biblical? Uh, description, if not definition, of of what what love is about between a man and a woman. So I get a sense of their wills because when you love, you're willing to surrender. Okay. You're willing to to die. You're willing to suffer. You're willing to sacrifice. You're willing to serve. So I talk to them about the wheels. You have to yield your will to this. So I talk about the wheels. I also talk about the bills. Mm. You know, do you know this person's credit score? Yeah. Um, do you know how much debt they're in? Do you know are uh, they a saver or a spender? Do you know uh, how they love to have toys? Do you know mm-hmm. they love for the latest gadget? So I talk to them about money. I mean, money matters. I talk to them about money matters because money matters. It does. Yeah. And, and a lot of times what comes between a husband and a wife has to do with that M-O-N-E-Y. Talk about That's their good. upbringings. You know, did everybody in the house work or did the wife stay home and the husband went to work or did the husband stay home and the wife went to work? Did the kids have chores? Did they? I, so I talked to them about all of that as it relates to money, because that gives shape to um, how they use it and what they even think of it uh, and what they do with it. Then I talked to them about skills. 
You know, okay. you talk about the porcupine. The porcupines have quills. Mm -hmm. and, and in order for them to mate, they have to lay down those quills. And the very, the very thing that they have can be used to either help each other or hurt each other. And so like a porcupine has quills, a man and a woman have skills. Mm -hmm. And your skills can either be used to help the mate out, or you can even hurt the mate with your skills. And, and so sometimes uh, there is competition uh, in a marriage instead of, 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 uh, of a completion. Uh, one makes so much more money and then until they hold it over that person's head and they can't go shopping, they don't have spending allowance. And so uh, or they have a prestigious career, a job. And so sometimes the skill sets they can try to dominate the other, and, and that's no way uh, to, to use one's skill set. So, again, like the, the porcupine has to lay those quills down in order to mate. Mm. Husband and wife, you got to know how to use your skills so you can build that family and support that family and inspire that family. So those, those three areas, uh, you know, I talk to them about many other areas, but I definitely talk to them about those three. Pastor, has it ever been a time where – they just you just didn't feel comfortable marrying someone or marrying yes. a couple. Oh, yes. Yes. And, you know, the, the purpose, Chad, of premarital uh, sessions is is not to determine where they are with it, but it is for them to hear what God says about it. OK. And then once you see how they are either receiving that or rejecting that, then you got to be frank with them. Say now. You're coming to me about marriage and you really don't want my opinion, but you want the one who instituted marriage, the one who wrote the manual about it. Mm -hmm. So this is what he says about marriage. And if they reject that, then I have to say to them, I said, you know, I have shared with you because early on I asked you, did you want God's blessings? And if you want God's blessings, here's a roadmap. Yeah. And so. Here it is. And so if they reject all of that, I say, well, you rejected everything I shared with you. So maybe I'm not the one uh, mm -hmm. that that you should be coming to for marriage because I don't I don't have any other thing else to say about marriage. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so some of them, Chaz, I have like a probationary period. OK. And I'll say now, now, if you're going to do this, here, here's my concern. We We get together three months after this ceremony. And these are the sessions we're going to attend. Okay. And so I show them some grace. I show them some mercy. But there have been some couples where I've just said, you know, I, I just, for me, I just cannot do this in good conscience at this time. I understand that. Pastor, what's your, what's your position on if it's, it, do you believe it's one ordained person for, you know, you have one ordained spouse or one designated spouse that God has selected for you or do you think he gives you options to be able to decide who you who your spouse is yeah I, you know that's above my pay grade in terms of <laughs> <laughs> but i would say to you just uh, your opinion pastor absolutely yes i would say to you chad that's a great question i would say god gives us uh, a model of a woman of god and a man of god and you and I, 
uh, and I'm using you and I in general to, to speak to any single believers, we should not want anyone who doesn't want God, mm. nor should we want someone who God doesn't have. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so God gives us a model. Okay, does the person love God? Okay, does the person love God's word? Does the person love God's people? Does the person know what God says about money? Does the person know what God says about family? Does the Lord, does the person know what God says about justice, the law? I mean, so you have scriptures and that gives you a sense, Chaz, of, hmm, is this, because if that person, if, if someone leads me or takes me away from my God, mm-hmm. that's not of God. Yeah. But if someone makes me uh, more committed to God, hmm, that's a that's interesting right there. Yeah, that's you see. Yeah. So, so you want someone who is closer to God than you are. That's awesome. That's awesome. And so, and so, I I say God gives us characteristics. He gives us um, examples, and we can look at people in Scripture, and we have our own individual mentors. You have your mom and dad. Mm-hmm. You have. Others that you can say, you know, what, what, what was it about your relationship? How did y'all come together? And then you can say, if you had to do it again, what would you do the same? What would you do differently? And that that's the people can have honest, like, oh, man, I tell couples all the time. You know, we, we should have had premarital counseling before we got married, but we didn't. So we had to learn the hard way. Okay. We went, we went through the fire. And many couples of olden days, they didn't go to premarital sessions. They just did what they did. And they they had to go through some situations and circumstances that heretofore, had they did it the other way, chances are they would have bypassed those. Because you're going to have enough surprises during the relationship. You just don't want some that you created on your own. Do you suggest, Pastor, when, when you, once you get married, to continue doing counseling, Absolutely. almost almost like you know, like checking in with the doctor too. I, there you go. There you go. Mm-hmm. You need a checkup. You need a you need a you need a checkup. You know, and you can get that in so many ways. Chad, you can do uh, book studies together. Mm, okay. You you can go to conferences. You can watch movies. Uh, you can have each, both of you can have a couple that uh, mentors you, or the wife can have. Uh, someone that she goes to and the husband has someone that he goes to and they have somebody that they both go to. I mean, the sky's the limit in terms of checking in occasionally just to make sure you, you're on the same page. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Hey, yeah. Pastor, I, I really appreciate your time today. Um, again, this is in my humble opinion with Chaz Douglas. I had very special guest on with uh, Pastor Marvin T. Smith. I really appreciate your time today, Pastor. Hey, it was my pleasure. I enjoyed talking to you. Yeah, and this was again, good. Chad, I'm proud of you. I'm happy for you. You are on an amazing path. And again, I just can't wait to see what we're going to read about you and what we're going to be saying about you in the days to come. Yeah, I appreciate that. Uh, to my listeners, please go on chasdouglas.com. Uh, you know, let me know if you uh Write a review. Let me know if I can help you uh, publish a book or or write. Or if if it's someone that you know has a story that they want to share, please go on to chasdouglas.com and and I love to work with you. Again, Pastor, I appreciate you and congratulations again on on your retirement. And and I'm looking forward to 
hearing what and seeing what what God has for you next in this next season. Thanks again, Chaz. All right, have a good one. You too. Take care. Oh, 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 oh,